The more you know about your faith, the more you know about Jesus, the more you know about your place in God's plan, the more you know about how to grow in your faith, and the more you know about what God is doing for you, then the more likely you are to be a productive and wise Christian. Are you looking for meaning or a word from God that's relevant to your life? Are you searching for a better understanding of who God is? Well, you're in the right place. You found the Gary Talks About God podcast. This is a weekly podcast that comes to you from the pulpit of Red Bank Missionary Baptist Church in Germantown, North Carolina. The podcast is hosted by Red Bank Senior Pastor Gary Sanders. Now let's get ready to take that walk through God's Word with our pastor, teacher, and friend. Hey, he's that guy we call Gary. 2 Peter chapter 1 is where we will be this morning. And as I was working on this, an old slogan popped into my mind, and I had to go and do some research because I couldn't remember where the slogan came from, but I knew it was a slogan, and it was very simple. It was, the more you know. Do y'all remember that slogan, the more you know? Uh, I had to go back and do some research to see what it was, and it was a public service announcement commercial series uh, by NBC with the very simple idea behind it being, the more you knew the more likely you would do something about what you knew. Now, I I didn't know how old it was. I remember hearing it as a kid, and I went back uh, just to do some research because I was curious. And the very first one aired in 1989, and it was delivered by Tom Brokaw. And, And the PSA was about a teacher shortage in the late 80s. Now, this doesn't really mean anything to you, but at that moment when I read that, that triggered something for me because I remember graduating from high school somewhere close to then, and there was a big push in North Carolina for the North Carolina Teaching Fellows Scholarship where they were basically saying if you would go and become a teacher, they would pay uh, four years uh, of college for you, and then basically they stuck you wherever they wanted you to in North Carolina to teach uh, for those Four years, and, and it kind of makes sense now that that was one of the first that was their first public service announcement. It was a nationwide shortage, and I also didn't know that the campaign continues today. Uh, they they are still making those uh, PSAs, and you may see it with a little star that goes across the screen. You know, the more that you know. I mentioned that this morning because it really goes well with what Peter is going to discuss now for the rest of his letter. Right? Peter is basically saying, the more you know about your faith, the more you know about Jesus, the more you know about your place in God's plan, the more you know about how to grow in, God's, uh, in your faith, and the more you know about what God is doing for you, then the more likely you are to be a productive and, and, and wise Christian. Right? It, it, just, it, it just stands to reason. And Peter is writing this, you know, he's talking about deception and false teachers. And he's saying, the more you know, the more you know about the truth, the more likely you're going to be able to spot false teaching. The the more you know. That would be a good subheading for the rest uh, of, of Peter's letter. And he's going to start off by saying, hey, you need to know about this division of responsibility in your faith. There's a division of responsibility, and on one side, it's Jesus Christ. 
and, and everything that He provides so that you can grow on your faith. But at the same time, we have a responsibility as well. We're not called to just be passive Christians and just say, all right, I'm just going to, you know, kind of those old uh, little cartoons you would see about kids, right? If they just hold the book up to their head the night before the test, everything would just seep in and they would know everything. We're not just supposed to be a passive Christian going, all right, God, just, just let everything from the Bible leach in so that I will know. We have to be active to grow in our faith. At the same time, God provides for us so that we can grow in our faith. And this morning, I want us to look at four ways that God provides so that we can grow in our faith. Now, this is actually going to be a two-part. We're only going to get through the first part of your study guide this morning because as I was uh, preparing and everything, there's just a lot more information in there than I originally thought. So this morning... I want us to read 1 Peter chapter 1, or excuse me, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 down through verse 4. So just two verses. It says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So this morning, we see in the division of faith, we're going to focus on that first one that says, God calls believers to grow in our faith. All right, God calls us to grow in our faith. And you go through and you look throughout the Bible, God says you've got to grow. The Old Testament, he, you know, he told the people, he's like, look, you need to meditate on my word day and night. You need to study it. Paul puts it in terms of working out your own salvation. Here, Peter puts it in terms of godliness, right? That, that we need to, to aspire to godliness. So a believer's life becomes as one that is defined by godly. People describe you as somebody who walks in godliness and has a godly life. Not just godly meaning some, oh, they look like they do the right thing, but godly in that you look more and more and act more and more like Jesus. And to make that happen, God provides some ways for us. And the first thing that we notice is God provides the power necessary for growth. God provides the power necessary for us to grow in our faith. And Peter calls our attention to it. His divine power. It's got to be the starting point. It absolutely has to be it. In His divine power, God has called us to godliness. Then, in His grace, He provides the power to achieve what He demands. You go through Scripture and you look. When God calls us to something, He gives us the ability to do it. He provides what we need to make it happen. He never calls us to something and then does not equip us so that we can accomplish what He has called us to do. And one of the things we need to understand about this divine power is that we need to be careful with the question that we ask. And I mention that because I've said this before. 
when it comes to the things of God, a very dangerous question is, how do you feel? Right? How do you feel? And the way that this applies to the power necessary for growth is, if you're not doing anything, and we'll talk about that next Sunday, but just for right now, if you're not doing anything, you may think, oh, well, God's not doing anything either. God's not helping me, so He probably doesn't want me to, to grow in my faith, or I, I can't do this. And then we start to feel like, hey, I, I can't do this. God's not wanting me to succeed. Now we're allowing our emotions to override what we know. The better question about God is not how do I feel, it's what do I know. What do we know about what God is going to do in the terms of our faith? Well, we go back and we look at the verse and it says, In His divine power He has granted to us all things. So here is God. Okay, in his power, has given you everything, absolutely everything. And everything that we need for life and godliness is found in Jesus Christ. This is one of those statements I think that sometimes we can just, we read, we understand the words, and we forget the enormity. The divine power that hung the stars in the sky. The divine power that placed microscopic cells in your body is the same divine power that He makes available to you so that you can grow in everything that pertains to life and godliness. Now, I don't know about you, but that's an encouragement to grow in our faith. Knowing as a believer that we lack nothing. You lack nothing to grow in godliness. And that's what Peter wants us to see. He's making the, the divine power of God demonstrated in acts from the past with Jesus Christ, His ministry, His resurrection, and His gospel. He's saying the divine power of God that you have access to is found through Jesus Christ, which is why in the opening verses, He made sure that we understood that Jesus Christ was our God and our Savior, that Jesus Christ was our Lord. That's the power that we have available for us. That Jesus provides the power to meet the standards. Think about the power of Jesus. We go back to the Gospels. And we read all the miracles. And we get so amazed that on a hillside one day as He is preaching to thousands and thousands of people who are now hungry and want something to eat. That he takes five loaves and two fishes and he turns it into a meal to feed all of those people with enough left over that they fill baskets and baskets, right? That's a pretty incredible display of God's power, is it not? It's a pretty incredible display of Jesus' power when he looks at the lame who cannot walk and says, get up and walk. It's pretty amazing when he looks at the woman who for years and years is having a hemorrhage and the doctors and nobody can fix it. And, and he says, go, your faith has made you well. And she leaves and she's whole. That's a pretty amazing demonstration of God's power, right? This morning, may I suggest to you <laughs> that a display of Jesus' power that is even more incredible than all of those miracles, as mighty and powerful as they are, is His power in using someone like me to live a life that is pleasing to God.
that the power of Christ lives in us so that you can live a life pleasing to God. Because without His power, we're not going to do it. We absolutely are not. And Peter is telling us that Jesus Christ is sufficient to meet all that God demands and contains everything that we need to live a, a life that is pleasing for God. Secondly, God provides knowledge for himself. God provides knowledge for himself. And we need to see the progression. God provides the power, and then God provides the knowledge. He wants us to know him. He wants us to know him. And Peter right here writes, he says, that you're going to have this divine power granted to us that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellency. Through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And the word that Peter uses here, and we, I, I've got to make this, this distinction because he uses two words for knowledge throughout uh, this opening section. And this is the same word he, he used last week, that, that personal and, and intimate knowledge. Not just the head knowledge. He'll talk about that in a little bit. Now, this is one of the most difficult points to articulate this morning. How do I condense, or how do you, how would you this morning condense the knowledge of God down to one point in a 30-minute sermon? Or 40 minutes? How would you do that? How would you condense the eternal into a mere moment. I, I mean, it, it's... I, I don't know how to do that. Because what we see from, from God is from the very opening of His Word, from Genesis 1 all the way through Revelation 22, is God desiring for us to know Him. He provides knowledge for Himself. He reveals Himself to us. And if he did not take the initiative to reveal himself to us, there is no way that we would know him. And if we did not know him, then obviously we can't grow in the knowledge of him. It makes sense, right? You can't grow in the knowledge of something you know nothing about. And so God from the very beginning is revealing himself to us so that we can know him and grow in the knowledge. J.I. Packer wrote probably the most influential book ever written on this subject. If, if you've never read the book Knowing God, I highly, highly recommend it. I think it's 22 chapters long, read a chapter a day. He writes this in, in the beginning. He says, What were we made for? Knowing God. What should our aim be? Knowing God. What is the best thing in life? Knowing God. What is the eternal life Christ gives? Knowing God. What in us gives God the most pleasure? Knowing God. He goes on to write in his book, and I think this is what Peter is arguing as well, quote, that once you have become aware that the main business that you are here for is to know God, most of life's problems fall into place on their own accord. That's what Peter says. We are to know God, and He provides the knowledge of Himself so that we can know Him. 
And Peter makes it very clear that the only way that we can know God is through knowing Jesus as our Savior. To know Jesus as our Lord, since Jesus is God in the flesh. Because that is the greatest way that God has revealed Himself to us, is through Jesus. You go to John 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory as the only Son from the Father. You go to Hebrews 1.1, long ago at many times and in many ways God spoke to us through the prophets, but in these last days He has spoken to us by His Son. John 14, 6, when he's making those great promises, no one comes to the Father except through me. You want knowledge of the Father, you come through me. The greatest knowledge of God that we can have is knowing God through Jesus Christ. And the reason why is, is very clear. When Hebrews 1, 3 says that Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. The imagery there is like a die that is being cast on a coin. That Jesus represents the exact nature of, Christ, of God and the radiance of God's glory, to which Peter writes, look at what he says, who has called us to His own glory and excellence. What has called men and women to Jesus for thousands of years is Jesus' unique ability to reflect God's grace and mercy into a sinful and fallen world. That is what attracts people to Jesus. That is what attracts people to come and fall down and confess Him as Lord and Savior. And if we want to know God this morning, we've got to know God through the cross of Christ. Through Jesus and His life, death, burial, and resurrection. God also promised us this morning that He uh, provides some promises to, to spur on our growth. He provides an incentive, right? Who doesn't like incentives, right? We, we work for incentives. We, we enjoy, you know, hey, if you do this, you'll get a little something extra. So God provides some promises for us. And He says that He has given us precious and exceedingly great promises. And precious here is not sweet like, you know, you call your husband or wife precious. It's not that, but precious like gemstones, precious that is valuable. And Peter writes here, it's, it's interesting, I, sometimes I wish that we would translate the Greek into, or, or leave the Greek that we know, because the word here is mega, and only here in all of Scripture, Peter uses it, not in the term of mega, but in, he actually kind of writes mega-est, <laughs> that, that what God has given us, where he says he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, that he's saying he's given us the mega of the megas. Whatever the biggest of the biggest is, He has given it to us. He has given us these, these great promises of God. And Peter says, if, if you know these great promises of God, and you know these great promises, then compared to the value, what is it that the false prophets, the false teachers, and their, their destructive doctrine could offer you? Because what Peter says is, I offer you promises that are anchored in Jesus. Whereas the false prophets can only offer you promises found in their falsehoods and immorality. All right, you read through the Bible. 
And you just you, you think of all the promises that Jesus gives us, right? Jesus promises forgiveness of sin. Jesus promises life. Jesus promises joy. Jesus promises acceptance by the Father. Jesus promises to lead you. Jesus promises to protect you. Jesus promises that He will give you the power. He promises you grace. He promises you mercy. Jesus promises you a future. And all these promises help spur us on in our spiritual growth because they constantly remind us of what Jesus has given to us. And in giving them to us, it should be an encouragement. And Peter says, look, I want to just I want to point to one, because all of those are really cool, all of those are true. Peter says, I want to point you to one where he says that you become, he says, partakers of the divine nature. Now this does not mean that, that we become divine. We do not become God. But Peter is pointing beyond our lives on this earth to a future glory that awaits us. Right? Romans 8.30 tells us that we will be glorified. You go to Ephesians 5.27, as Paul writes about the church, saying that he, Jesus, might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Peter is saying there's coming a time when you will share in the divine nature, you will partake of it in that you will share in God's moral perfection. That we will be morally perfect because our sin nature is gone. As long as we are on this earth, we have to battle that sin nature. But there is coming a time when we will not, it will be gone and we will be made morally perfect as we live in the moral perfection of heaven. Again, taking on the divine nature. You go to Revelation 21, right? And it tells us that there is no death, no mourning, no crying, no pain, for the former things have passed away. Revelation 21, verse 27, Nothing unclean will enter it, nor anyone who is detestable or false. Only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Man, what, what, a, what a great promise that, that is before us. And as with Peter, Peter's whole point, remember, Peter keeps pointing to this glory that we're going to have to make us act and behave today. It's not just one day we'll get it, it's we will get it, it's been assured, so let's use it and live in it now. And the basis, Peter says, for our glory is the glory of Jesus Christ. Just as He was glorified, we will be glorified. Again, see how Peter keeps coming back to Christ? He keeps coming back to what God is doing, what God is providing for them so that they can grow in their faith. And then Peter directs our attention to one last thing that God provides. He says, God provides an escape for corruption. He says, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. The way Peter writes this, He's directing our attention to a specific point in time, just the way he writes it. Probably, and it makes sense, right? When, when did you escape corruption? Well, you escaped corruption the day that you confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You immediately, right, immediately escaped the corruption of the world because now you're not going to stand condemned anymore. You belong to God and not the world. 
right? But we also have, have a problem, right? We're still sinful. We, we still have that. So how then does the promise of the escaping the future corruption impact us now? Well, it comes down to this question. We have to decide, do we want to live in the same behavior, share in the same character of those who will be judged, or do we want to live and share in the same behavior and the character of the one who will be the judge? We've got to make that on this earth. We've got to decide here and now the character and the nature, the behavior that we want to exhibit to the world. Now, this doesn't mean all right, that, that, we can't, that we will not obtain Christian perfection on this earth. Right? I think we all know that. We can't. But we have been told that everything has been granted to us that we may grow in the divine nature now. Jesus has given us everything that we need to make morally correct decisions now that will lead to a godly life now. We use that promise of future glory to escape the eternal corruption to impact our lives now. And Peter is writing to congregations where false teachers are, are teaching basically that everything God has promised for the future should be available now. And they're, they're scoffing at Christ and at His return. And, and, and they're, they're scoffing that, hey, look, you're not able to do this. And Jesus isn't really coming back. And, and, and they're making fun of the return of Christ and making fun of the future promises and, and basically saying, no future promises await you. So do what you want now. And Peter writes, uh, no, that, that's, that's not true. There is a promise that awaits us when we escape corruption, but we need to escape corruption now. And we need to live in light of Jesus' return in judgment. Right? Instead, one of the things that, that they're teaching, one of the things that the false prophets are teaching, it sounds a lot like today, is, is basically saying, hey, look, what we need to do is, is, is we need to readjust Jesus. <laughs> we need to interpret His teachings and His promises in a new way that is acceptable to a modern lifestyle. Man, that's a message that hadn't changed since the beginning. Let's reinterpret God's Word so it's more acceptable. And they'll teach that Jesus you know, is not going to judge you for your sins and all that stuff is about judgment. It's not literal. Therefore, you might as well go ahead and live your best life now doing whatever you want to, caving into every lust, every desire of your body because this is it, the here and the now. There is no future glory where you escape Corruption for all eternity. And Peter says, no, 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 no. That's not true. There is future glory. There is a future eternal escape from corruption. And so we live in it now understanding, Peter says, that corruption is the world because of our sinful desire. That the root of the corruption is found in what we want. 
the false teachers are living lives of immorality, saying this is what we want, and so we're just going to give in to our lust, and, and they do, and, and, and they're trying to spread that to, to the people in the church. And Peter says, no, look, you have to understand that the corruption from the world is because of your sinful desire, but God has given you through Jesus Christ everything that you need through His divine power to live a life of godliness. Jesus has given you what you need. He is sufficient for what you need to over overcome your sinful desires. There's not a desire that you have or will have that Jesus is not stronger to overcome. That's what Peter is writing them and telling them. And he says, look, it circles back to his first point. He has given you everything that you need to escape the corruption eternally. Yes, but to escape the corruption now because we all know that sin corrupts. He says, you want to escape that now? Jesus has given you what you need. So Peter is saying, don't align yourselves with the corruption of the world. Instead, because you have been transformed through faith in Jesus Christ, then you need to stand with Him. Jesus has provided a way to escape corruption. Therefore, now go live out your transformed life for the world to see. And do that at the same time while you are clinging to the beautiful promises that so much more awaits us. Right? We cling to the truth that one day we will have a deeper knowledge of God. We cling to the truth that one day we will share in His nature. We cling to the truth that one day we will be forever delivered from corruption. And we use those truths as motivators to live out godly lives now in the power that Jesus has provided. Because the more you know, the more you can act on it. And the more you know, you can be a productive Christian here and now. You've been listening to the Gary Talks About God podcast. Are you looking for a church? Well, Red Bank Missionary Baptist Church is a community of believers who exist to glorify God and see transform lives through the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can find us on the web at www.redbankmbc.com. Also, come visit us on Sunday at 8104 Red Bank Road in Germantown, North Carolina. Did you like this podcast? We put one out each and every week, so don't forget to subscribe. We hope this has been a blessing to you, and we thank you for listening.